Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Yes, indeed. Here we are at The Unveiling with the usual guys at the microphones tonight. This is going to be episode 62. We are still in our series on Galatians, and this is going to be part 7. And today, just for those of you following along in your Bibles, we are going to be reading from Galatians 5, starting at the first verse and ending when our time is up. So I, I don't want to make any predictions on that, Mark, <laughs> considering how, how slow this has been going in some spots, but it's because we're being so complete. Yes. So as I said, we're going to start with uh, Galatians 5, verse 1. Guys, do you mind if I dive right in? Go for it. All right. Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Look, guys, I think we can stop right there. That is almost the entire book of Galatians com compressed down into 25 or 26 words right there. It's it, Is there anything else we need to go over or should we just sign off? Well, it's really almost the entire Bible. <laughs> when you think about it, the message of the Bible, you know. But I think we could probably expound on it a little bit. <laughs> I think it's a good place to stop, though, that first verse, because yes. I, I truly get the feeling that some people don't understand what that's actually trying to tell us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I know I stumbled over that years ago. Now, after finding grace, that took on a whole new meanings for me. Yeah. And uh, I want to let you guys uh, talk about this a little bit. Sure. If I can just, uh, Ajay, if you don't mind, if I can yeah, go, go first here. I want to do a quick, because what I love about this, and it's the way you kind of promote it last week on our episode, Tim, about just we're waiting for five, because five is like a turn in Galatians. Paul has taken the first four chapters. I'm going to give you just a quick, quick summary of each chapter. So in chapter one, Paul is chiding the Galatians for allowing the gospel to be perverted among them. He talks about his own journey from the law to the gospel of grace, the one true gospel. In two, he's talking about opposing the Judaizers and Peter for perverting the law, and he further develops the doctrine of grace. In three, he's talking about the fact that we start and finish both by faith in the Spirit, that the law is a curse, and he talks about the difference between the law and the promise. And then in 4, which we did last week, he talks about, about the law uh, being a cruel taskmaster master, or a schoolmaster or a guardian. Different uh, translations have different words. But he talks about when we remain under the law, we're like underage heirs, immature children. And then he does his great comparison of Sarah and Hagar being pictures of the Old and New Covenants. So now, going into five, he's going to leave kind of like the negative admonishing tones in which he was gently admonishing the Galatians, but very strongly refuting the Judaizers who were coming in and perverting the gospel. Now he's summarizing the whole thing in glorious power and as positive as you can get in, in human experience. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. I'll hand it off to Ajay. Yeah, you know, I just want to point out, uh, In uh, I'm looking at, at the new KJV. It says, stand fast, therefore, 
in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. So it starts with therefore. That means, you know, it is actually referring to the previous chapter. So the previous chapter ends with, so then, brethren, we are not the children of bondwomen, but of the free. So I think it's very important to understand, right, you know, even in this natural, whatever you are born into, you are basically that, right? So if you are born into slavery, you are slavery, unless someone comes and uh, sets everyone free, you continue that. And if you are born free, you are free, especially it is uh, very, very prevalent during uh, um, the times of Romans and uh, during the time, you know, when Lord Jesus Christ came. Uh, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, Lord picked that time because, you know, that's when we had real slavery going on, all these types and shadows, right? So it's much easier to understand what the gospel does to us, right? It actually took us out of slavery and made us free. So I think in reality, having that, you know, there are slaves, people were keeping slaves at that time. There were oppressors and then there were some free men. So it's, uh, I think the Lord, of course, you know, picked the right time to send our Lord Jesus Christ. So I guess uh, what I'm saying is like, we are the children of free woman. So basically he's saying that, you know, if you are the children of a free woman, act like the children of the free woman, right? Don't go back and go back under bondage. And many of us, again, I think when we talk about free and bondage, they immediately jump to um, sinning and not sinning. But clearly the context here is it's not about, you know, going bondage to sin. And of course, you know, if you go back to the law, you will also go back to bondage to sin. But here the context is you are the children of the free woman. So be free. Don't go back to bondage again. But uh, let me ask you, uh, Tim, on this. So did you, did you have the same misunderstanding of this scripture that I had where I thought it was talking about sin? Because you kind of mentioned that. Absolutely, because when presented in the past, this has always been, it is for freedom that Christ sets you free, and the pastor will go, well, freedom from what? Freedom from sin. And it's like, no. You know, if you read this correctly, especially, you know, the first four chapters getting to this point, you really can't, and you really can't misunderstand it anymore. It's not about sin. It's about being slaves to the law. And I mean, the chapters before this, many times Paul is using the metaphor, a metaphor of slavery. He talks about the law and being underage children being the same as a slave. And then he talks about Sarah, the free woman, and uh, Hagar, the bondwoman, the slave, right into this. In fact, you know, I'm sure most people have heard this before, but the original scriptures were written on scrolls, and there were not breaks between chapters. We didn't read four and end up talking about the slave woman. You know, they didn't just then turn a page as though this is a new subject. It is for freedom. It's, it's Paul coming right out of talking about the free woman and the slave woman, the child of promise and the child who was a slave. And he says, he, he's now concluding this and summarizing, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And where my mindset, like you, Tim, back in my earlier days of Christianity, for quite a long time, I always heard this taught as being on sin. And back in those days, before I knew the power of the Spirit in our lives through the one true gospel, I would memorize scriptures as part of my strategy to improve my performance and my behavior, to overcome sin. This is one of those ones I would try to use. And yet, 
I'm going to just take a quick little tangent here because this beautifully just illustrates one of the points that I know the three of us hold a very high value to, and that is when interpret, interpreting Scripture, we go directly to the Scriptures, and then it's context, context, context. If you don't see what came in the chapter before, if you don't look at the verses that come immediately after it, if you don't even sometimes look at that in, that entire book, if you don't look at the entire Bible. And there's three great questions that I, I learned a couple of years ago. Uh, famous theologian R.C. Sproul said, you ask who wrote this book, who was it written to, and why was it written? And when you surround things in that context, so many people think, oh, I can't understand the Bible. I can't understand the Bible. Well, if you take things out on their own, it makes it very difficult to understand. And that's why so many people have twisted Scripture to start cults and false religions. And that's why it's so important that the people of God go right to the Scripture and understand it uh, in context. So that's my soapbox, and uh, I'm still sticking to what I said. <laughs> Mark, I'm going to take your tangent and just tangent just a little bit more, because you did say that a lot of people say, I, don't, I can't understand the Bible. And it's not always just about the content contents of, of the verses. It's about the language and stuff. A lot of people object to the old, you know, the King James and even the new King James because stylistically it's not very modern and it's it's something you have to actually think about. I know AJ, you and I have talked in the past. We both like to defend scripture from King James because we kind of feel that it is one of the more base and more direct uh translations available. But you can get the word in a lot of different translations for your modern ear. And I am a firm believer when God says, my, my word will not return void, that no matter what you use, God will use it to speak to you. And, you know, I, I know, I just know from experience, the three of us at times find great value in checking the same verse in two or three translations. And, you know, for the most part, the general theme is very, very similar between, between different translations. Sometimes you'll get a slightly different flavor or look at it from a slightly different angle. And sometimes just the King James by the more old-fashioned placement of words, of objects and subjects, it opens up a new thing you didn't see in our more modern English. So there's great value to, to really looking at multiple translations. And there's no reason for us to argue about which is the best one, because they're all great tools for us coming into understanding. So the second half of that verse says, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So that freedom, and like you said before, he talked in the, in the previous chapter about what that all was, and they've been brought out of this by the grace. They understood grace, and now the Judaizers came along and tried to tell them, oh, well, grace plus this, and Paul is being sticking to his guns here. No, it's it's not grace plus it's it's grace plus nothing. So what I'd like to do, guys, is let me read the next uh, really let me read the next few verses here, and we'll move along a little bit. Starting back up in verse two, mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. 
For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I'm going to stop there and mark I'm going, to, I'm going to turn it over to Ajay to open this part up. <laughs> Take us away, Ajay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've been, while you guys were talking at it, right, I've been looking at verse 2, you know, just like Tim, you stopped at one verse. I think verse 2 is also worth just stopping at this and uh, let it sink in, you know. Look at what it's saying. If you go back to the law, Christ is of no value to you. Think about that. And in my version, it says, Christ will profit you nothing. So all the Christians who call themselves as Christians, if they insist on going back to the law, Christ is of no value. And the other two next two verses also the same thing, right? I testify to you again, to every man who becomes circumcised, that is a debtor to keep the whole law. So if you go back to the law, you're a debtor to keep the whole law. And then he says again, right? You have become estranged from Christ. Whoever is trying to be justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So here you see, right, you know, you are basically, Christ becomes a stranger to you. Christ is of no value to you if you go back to the law. And then you have fallen from grace. Again, I think, uh, uh, like we discussed, right, when we, th- when we, before we used to think, right, you know, freedom, stand fast in the freedom. We thought, you know, it is like freedom from sin. Of course, you know, by grace, you know, we are also made free from sin, but the context is freedom from the law. Again, when people think, you know, when you've fallen from grace, you know, people immediately say, hey, if someone fell into some sin, they say it's falling from grace. But here again, we see that uh, clearly it's saying, you know, whoever is attempting to be justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. So it's, uh, I think, very serious matter here, right? And somehow, you know, we just uh, gloss over these scriptures, don't even take it seriously. But it's saying, you know, if you go back to the law, you know, Christ is useless to you. So how much stronger can it get? And it's yeah. very specific. If you decide you have to keep one law, you don't have to keep one law. You have to keep them all. Yeah. And I think the bigger thing Paul is talking about here, he's not. he starts out specific, but then he kind of summarizes by because they were trying to get them to be circumcised as a point of the law, he says you are trying to be justified by the law. Yeah. That's what they were doing with the circumcision. It's not about that one point, because he even makes the point, it doesn't matter, because at the end he says, neither circumcision nor circumcision has any value. And you can take for justification, let's put it that way. So to say like tithing, he would say that for justification's sake, tithing has no value whatsoever either way. It's not going to hurt you if you don't, and it's not going to help you if you do. Now, that doesn't mean that tithing's not good because you're helping people, you're supporting the gospel being spread, you're feeding people, you're clothing people. But that's the key to this whole paragraph here is you who are trying to be justified by the law. When we try to keep church rules or do this or don't do that or see special ceremonies and rituals and days as somehow gaining us a better relationship with God or being part of our salvation, that's when it's sin. That's when it's evil, and I'd call it the anti-gospel, because the minute you, because really the opposite of the gospel is works. Yeah. And, and and just to throw a final thought, and then I'll hand it back to you guys: is Christians nowadays, just like in this day, these Judaizers, 
that were coming back against the Galatians, telling them, yes, we have faith in Christ just like you, but you need to add the Mosaic law. You need to be circumcised. They believed to their core that that was a mature form of Christianity. If I keep all these rules in having Christ, now I'm adding to it, and I'm more mature than you. Where else do we see that? That's nowadays. Any church you go to, people that, that are relying solely on the grace of God and the work Christ has done, they see that as, not, as being not a ser- as serious a form or mature a form of Christianity as doing that, but also doing all these things. Hey, I'm giving till it hurts. You know, I'm serving. I'm going to church three times. You know, so it, it's Paul's going very clearly here. And I love those three words at the beginning that none of us have remarked on yet. This chapter is so important. This is paragraph we're reading that he starts it out by saying, Mark my words, man. Look at these words. Mark them on your soul, on your mind, in your spirit, man. This is important stuff. And I love that Paul does that throughout his epistles. When he's about to say something important, he'll either repeat it or he'll say, hey, look at this. Wake up. Mark my words. You know, so I love the way he puts such emphasis on that. Just uh, before moving on to a different section, you know, again, verse 5 also, one thing I noticed is, for we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So the introduction of Spirit, you know, comes only after the law. You cannot be under the law and then still be led by the Spirit. You know, if you look at chapter 3 also, right, he says, received the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith. So again, I think it's important, right, you know, all of us are eager to walk in the Spirit and uh, also be led by the Spirit. But I think most of us uh, mistake just trying to obey the law as walking in the Spirit, trying hard to do stuff. But here you see, right, only after you're set free from the law, only when you are, you know, standing in liberty uh, in Christ, and then only after we have died to the law, that's when the introduction of the Spirit comes in verse 5. For we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Again, the righteousness by faith is the key to actually participating in the Spirit. Paul is giving you two choices here for your for your life, being justified by the law or through the Spirit. Those are really the choices of everybody. If you're Even if you're an unbeliever, you're going to be judged by the law. It's either the law or Christ for believers and unbelievers, and he's presenting those right next to each other there, justified by the law or through the Spirit. They're in opposition to one another. And that's a binary choice, exactly. They're, they're opposed to each other. You can't have both. You can't mix them. Yep. It's like having two sides of a coin, and you're trying to live by balancing the coin on its side so that you get both. That doesn't work real well. Yeah, I just want to clarify one thing you said, Mark. I think it's right there. So when you say we are justified by the Spirit, we mean you know, justification by faith. Yeah, I didn't say, I didn't say justification. Yeah. I meant living through the Spirit or being justified. But yeah, that's yeah. the same thing what you're saying there. So, I think you said, you know, just we are either justified by the Spirit or justified by the law. I was just clarifying. Justified by the Spirit is same as justification by faith. Yeah. That must have been a slip of my tongue. So Yeah. No, no, that is true too. Bible says, you know, when we are justified by faith, we are actually justified by Christ or justified by the Spirit. All mean the same thing. Right. Yep. 
So let's get the next little section here, starting at verse 7. Uh, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. And I like that Paul keeps throwing in little illustrations that one about a little yeast works through the works through the whole batch of dough. I like to bake, guys. Uh, call me a pandemic baker, I guess, but uh, I've been baking since I was a kid, cookies and you know, with, by my mom and up to graduated to pies and cakes and eventually bread. And I really kind of got into bread baking a little bit during the pandemic. And, you know, you, you put in three cups of flour, you put in a cup of water, you put in some salt and a quarter teaspoon of yeast against all that volume. That's a very small amount of yeast. And yet what it does to the dough and making the whole thing rise. And his point is that, you know, this is just a little bit of love, just a little bit, but a little bit is enough to spoil, like we were saying earlier, your faith and, and make Jesus of no account or value for you. Matthew Henry describes it in, in terms of an infection. It's like putting an infection in your body. That infection, if not cut out of you or somehow killed, can kill you. It can go into your blood, into your brain. That infection's going to spread just like a little bit of yeast is going to spread through the dough. I'm looking at verse 7. You know, there's a word obey here. Who, is, who, who hindered you from obeying the truth? So, you know, again, you know, when we hear the word obey, we immediately jump back to, you know, in our mind, obeying the Ten Commandments, right? Obedience to the law. That's how we think about it. But uh, if you... Um, study carefully in the New Testament, whenever Paul used obedience or obeying or obeying the truth, he's talking about obedience to the gospel yeah. or believing the gospel. And in some places he uses it as obedience of faith. And in, in Romans he says obedience to the faith. And then here he's saying obeying the truth. Again, the context is what is obeying the truth. It is basically not falling back on the works of the law, but actually believing the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the gospel is in a way justified by faith without the works of the law. So there's nothing we need to do but to believe. That's such a crucial, awesome point, Ajay. And I missed that as I read through it this time. But yeah, like obeying the law is our focus on ourself. It's putting our, our eyes on ourself and what we can do, how we can try harder. But obeying the truth is the gospel that we're saved and sanctified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's putting our focus on Christ. And yeah. what a, you know, and that's a stumbling block for so many there. They read that and they think it's about obeying the rules. Yeah. It's really the opposite. It's about focusing on Christ. You know, I'm just actually thinking back of all the terminology in Christianity, right? Again, I bet, I don't know if you ran into it, but I'm guessing a little leaven leavens a whole lump here, a little bit of law. If, even if you introduce one work, it basically, you know, you're spoiling the whole thing, right? You know, Christ has become of no value to you. You're going back to this works-based uh, living. So I'm thinking, you know, uh, when people hear a little leaven leavens a whole lump, again, a little bit of sin, 
spoils the whole thing, right? They immediately apply it to sin. But again, I think uh, we are not encouraging people to go and sin. But I think it's important to know the truth. The context is obeying the truth. So here the context again is the law. A little bit of law you bring in, it spoils the whole thing. No, you're right, Ajay. We're not encouraging people to sin, but we are encouraging people to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance in their life. And that may, on the outside to some people, look a little bit like trying to follow along because as you're following the Holy Spirit, certain things are going to drop away from you. You're not going to be interested in some of the things you used to be interested. So you may not do this or may not do that. Or in fact, you may do the do's and don't do the don'ts, but it's not based on what we do. It's based on what the Holy Spirit is working in and through us. Great point, Tim. You and I both shared that we had that scripture 5-1 backwards, that we always thought it was about sin. And though we just carefully explained that no, looking at the the massive context here of talking about the law as a yoke of slavery, that it's about the law, not sin. But that being said, along with what you just said, it actually is about sin, because this is the only way that sin is ever going to lessen in your life, and that's coming into the ministry of the Spirit, the one true gospel. The sin is going to dissolve away in your life by the Spirit. It's the only way sin can ever be. Boy, when I think about that, that's really profound, that it's the Spirit of Christ is the only one that ever deals with sin. He dealt with it at the cross, and now he deals with it in our life because we walk by the Spirit and his fruits work through our life through his power. So in some ways, that 5-1 is indirectly about sin when you think about it. Yeah, we have the freedom to follow the Holy Spirit. And I think that it, it isn't our the fact that we're going to be sin conscious, it's the fact that we still are flesh and live in the flesh and live in the world. We are going to fail sometimes. So what we're really freed from is the fact that we don't have to beat ourselves up. We don't have to have a guilty conscience. We don't have to confess. We don't. It is the freedom to fail and keep moving on, still secure in our relationship with God because he does not hold that against us. That's one of the biggest freedoms I see in that. Amen. I love his uh, little last line summary here, that the things we do, points of the law, works, church rules, whatever you want to call them, they don't have any value. And the logical, really the logical end of the gospel is faith expressing itself through love. That's, that's the fruit of the gospel. And you think about it, beautiful, beautiful line there too. That's something you could just sit and think on for the next month. Faith expressing itself through love. What does that look like? I know I want it in my life, that's for sure. And there's only way to, one way to get it, not through the law. I don't know where I heard this, but it was definitely not my line. Uh, but uh, someone in once said that the two only two rules of the new covenant are love me by loving one another. Or love one another by loving me. <laughs> they kind of work interchangeably. They, they sound nice, but... Uh, they're not the, the goal. Active covenant, the only two commandments in the new covenant are uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. That's right. the only commandment he gave us. In fact, you know, that is very surprising to me. Like uh, in the new covenant, there's no commandment to love God. Just think about it. We love God as a response, not as a commandment. It's uh, it's amazing to me. There is 
the only commandment that new covenant gives is the one that lord jesus gave he said you know uh, love one another even as i loved you not like the old testament where the old testament says love others like yourself right love your neighbor as yourself but in the new covenant lord says you know i give you a new commandment the new commandment is love one another even as i have loved you and of course you know john adds you know this is only possible by faith because he says this is a commandment in john chapter 1 john chapter 3 towards the end of the chapter it says this is a commandment you know believe on the lord jesus christ and love one another that's the only commandment that's probably aj why paul said the only thing he didn't say the only thing that counts is love he said the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love because we yeah. as human beings we can even make loving god and loving each other a work if we're not very careful yeah yeah well guys i think that is a pretty good place to stop for tonight and i would like to give you each the opportunity it's a good thing we ended on a kind of a bunny trail there it's it's very much like us so what i'd like to do is bring it back to here and let you guys summarize anything you'd like to for this episode and let you have that moment or two before we sign off. Ajay, do you want to start us off? Yeah, you know, the freedom of the gospel is, I mean, we talk about it several times, but uh, God's acceptance, God's salvation, God's gifts are not based on us or they're not based on our doing. So when we say law, right, you know, we're not necessarily talking about just trying to keep the law of Moses, but if you approach God based on what I did, no matter what it is, God because I did this you give me this so that is law basically it is a work based approach and that approach will never work because if you have to go to God based on your works you have to be perfect or it it's again you know uh, binary zero or one either you're perfect or you're just doomed so most of us you know we think you know some of our works are enough or just one of the thing that I'm doing good is enough but that is not enough so the f- true freedom we have is we don't have to do anything lord jesus christ did everything for us and for us all we need to do is simply believe and receive what he has done for us and uh, and when we do that you know god gives us a spirit and he takes care of us rest of the life so we don't have to really worry all we need to do is just uh, look at the lord jesus christ and uh, continue to rest in his finished work and um, and the spirit goes to work in us and i will uh, conclude uh, this episode by just having us quickly look at uh, verse 7 and 8 here that Tim read for us it says you were running a good race they were living in the grace of Christ in the one true gospel by their belief by their faith and in the spirit he said who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth that kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you so many people think christians think that god is calling them to obey the law Paul saying no he just got done talking about circumcision by being justified by the law and he's saying this teaching these false teachers these judaizers are bringing of mixing the works of the law with the gospel of faith in Christ that doesn't come from God he's not the one calling you to this but at the very beginning in, in Galatians 1 he says i'm astonished you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. God is not calling you to live under the law, not even calling you to add one thing 
He's calling you to live in the grace of Christ. Amen. I would almost say that that first verse, verse one, that says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That freedom is almost freedom from sin consciousness. We've got to stop looking at our relationship with God through the lens of our behavior, our do's and our don'ts, and look at it as a relationship with the, the loving Father and just learn to grow in that relationship and let the Holy Spirit work in and through us. God will take care of all the other stuff. Don't sit there and harp on yourself about, oh, this week I didn't do good and this. No, it's not about all that. It's just about loving God and depending on the Holy Spirit. Yep. Well, everybody, we'd like to thank you for joining us for another episode. We hope you've been uplifted and encouraged, and we look forward to talking to you again the next time. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.